Hello. Well, some podcasts have been known to do emergency podcasts when there's some breaking news that happens in between their regularly released episodes. At ASICast, you probably notice we don't have a regular release cycle to break into, but we did think that in the light of the actors joining the writers on strike in the US, it was worth calling up Guy Bissner Ampere, our West Coast US correspondent, to discuss the implications in the US and for global content production. So thanks for joining us, Guy. Thank you. Now, in our last podcast with you, we did touch on the possible impact of the US writer's strike, but that's now been compounded by a US actor's strike as well. Before we talk about the likely impact, if we can rewind slightly, what are the main issues that firstly drove the writers on strike? Well, the writers have three fundamental issues. Um, one is so-called residuals, which is an industry-specific uh, method of remunerating talent in the business. So um, residuals are payments that are made on the ongoing value of the content when it is licensed out to third parties. It's effectively a back-end share. Um, and, and this is a way of rewarding writers, but also, in fact, actors, um, for the contribution that they make to content that is uh, made and utilised by broadcasters and by streamers. Um, so that's one issue that um, the, the, the amount that they're earning from those has reduced somewhat, partly due to the way the industry has changed. So the fact that we've moved to an industry that is increasingly about global streaming deals rather than content that is piecemeal licensed out in, in multiple different countries. So residuals is one of the issues. Um, second one that's specific to the writers is a, the size of writers' rooms. Um, now, writers' rooms are collaborative um, work environments where teams of writers work on multiple episodes of, say, a TV show together um, and the trend has been over the last few years for those rooms to get smaller and smaller, down from seven or eight writers to two or three in many cases. Um, two issues there that concern them. One is, obviously, if there are less writers in the room, that's less employment opportunities. Um, the argument is also that for younger writers, it, it was a kind of apprenticeship to sit in on these writers' rooms and those opportunities now are fewer and further between. And the third issue, and possibly the most complex, and this is also common to both the actors and the writers, is the use of artificial intelligence. Um, for writers, obviously, uh, using artificial intelligence to write screenplays or treatments, their contention is that it's drawing on original material in order to do that. That has first been created by a human being, probably one of them, or often one of them. And for actors, it's about the potential of scanning their likeness and then using an AI to actually act uh, using that artificially created likeness. So again, obviously reducing employment opportunities. So there's overlap between them. And then there are some issues that are unique to, to each party. Mm. I guess also the residuals issue may tie into what what used to be called, perhaps they still are, syndication, when uh, if a show was a hit, it would then be sold 
on within the US to local TV stations and just play round in circles, which I think is one of the reasons why Jerry Seinfeld hasn't needed to work for the last 20 years because of the just the the constant money coming back. But that 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 kind of whole way of doing TV, as you say, is slightly changing, which is causing the stress, isn't it, in terms of how people get remunerated for the work they've done in the past. Yeah, and it's it's been driven by the changes in the industry that have come about because of global streaming. So, um, well, still, uh, generally, those deals are, are being done on a all rights uh, in perpetuity. So once the streamer has commissioned content, they own that outright for, for the rest of its life cycle, whereas in the past it was... Um, moving through multiple rounds of syndication and going into international uh, rights sales. And as you say, if there was a, a massive hit, obviously its value would go up, um, whereas that's kind of pre-baked now into deals. I mean, the, the, the flip side is, and um, I've written about it, and I think we spoke about it on the last podcast as well, Funnily enough, there are now just slight changes to that model where streamers are actually looking at licensing some of those originals, whereas before they would have kept them um, to themselves exclusively forevermore. So um, I think we've described it as um, looking back to move forward in terms of the readoption of some of those older business models. Finding new love for theatrical releasing for number one, and secondly, thinking about beginning to license some of those originals because of the way the economics have shifted in the streaming landscape. Mm. I think one of the other arguments the 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 actors, if we move on to them, have made is around the fact that things residuals have kept them in. Um, uh, you know, I, I allow them to keep going in between jobs, effectively, that, that they are a way of having slightly more constant income in what must be a very hand-to-mouth type of existence. Well, are there other aspects that are unique to the, the, the actors in joining the strike that don't apply to the writers? No, I think it's mainly those two points that overlap, as far as I'm aware, which is AI and, and, and residuals. Um, I mean, the other point to make about actors, of course, when you say actor, we tend to think about the big stars, and it's mm. the same for a writer. Um, many of them are not big stars. They, As you say, they are living hand-to-mouth. They are contractors, so they're not, um, you know, they don't have some of the employment benefits of, of, of a full-time employee, um, and many of them are not earning vast amounts of money. So... Um, when you speak to people uh, on the picket line, they they consider they call it an existential um, negotiation. Mm. The residuals were actually introduced in 1960, I believe, which coincidentally is the last time that both actors and writers went on strike together. So this is a once in a lifetime event. Um, and certainly the view from the picket line is that it is an existential threat to their future. Honestly, AI, I think if I was going to judge what was the most difficult um, 
problem to solve. I think it's probably going to be AI. That that is a very difficult one. Um, you know, saying or pushing back against technological advancement like that. If we look back through history, um, obviously in British history we have the so-called Luddites, but um, that's pushing back against that sort of advancement has always been very, very challenging. And I think that's going to be quite a sticking point. It's very hard to uninvent something, isn't it? I think that, that's the challenge of it. As you say, even extras, I was reading that, you know, the, the, the potential to just scan an extra and then you can put him in the him, him or her in the crowd of any TV shows, just change what they're wearing and you don't need them again. And exactly, it's, exactly. It's, um, um, and then you've got things like um, the volume, this uh, um, amazing sort of surround virtual set that they're shooting whole TV series inside without actually needing to leave the studio with the virtual set. So it, it, it's definitely going to be challenging to understand how the talent is is able to be remunerated for that. Go, going forward then, I mean, we it, it both, both are out on strike. Hollywood is kind of ground to a halt. What impact do you think it would have if, for example, the strike was, was resolved? Sounds unlikely, but if it resolved in the next couple of months versus if it's was still dragging on towards the end of the year. Have you done any projections on what, you know, where this will leave um, though, you know, the broadcasters and the streamers in terms of content? Yeah, so my colleagues in our commissioning team have done some work on that. Um, and, and broadly, obviously, as you extend the duration of the strike, you're basically pushing out the trend further and further into next year so at the moment we're looking at about 70 75 percent of uh, and we're talking about u.s scripted content here um shows being impacted for the coming quarter um moving through into the first quarter of next year this is if the strike is resolved in the next few weeks if it extends towards the end of this year then that trend will get pushed out to next year so that in the first and second quarter, we're at 60, 70% of shows affected. Um, and even by the fourth quarter of 2024, still around a third of shows would be impacted. That means not getting made or in, in some other ways delayed. Now, the interesting point, and this is why it's such a dynamic and interesting time that we live in at the moment is that before the strike the, stu the studios and streamers had already begun to pull back on the volumes of content so there's a double effect going on one of which was intentional and one of which is caused by the strike and there are some views here in Los Angeles um, if you read the press and speak to people um, that the studios and streamers are willing to let the strike run for a little while um, because the flip side, of course, of the strike and these shows not getting made is it saves a lot of money. Um, it saves the money that would have gone into those shows and at a time when the studios and streamers were beginning to pull back. Now, clearly it's a pullback 
at a much greater level than they would have done without the strike. But there is uh, a views in some quarters that um, they will happily let it run maybe for a little while just to uh, help with that scale back from content, which itself was caused by changes in the dynamics of the industry that we talked about in the last podcast. So saturation in the streaming market in many countries, um, obviously the negative economic outlook that the whole world was facing, not just our industry, um, uh, and other factors had led to that pullback. Mm. It's, um, it, it's an absolutely fascinating situation, but is there a difference between the impact on the broadcasters, as in the network and the cable channels, versus the streamers? Because as I understand it, there's a definite cycle on broadcast television where if a series debuts in September, then it will start shooting in the summer. But often that shooting will, will be carrying on way past when the series debuts because it will be... So by the time you get to ne- you know May next year, they're, they're shooting actually only a few weeks before it goes live compared to the streamers who tend typically to to understand it to have longer lead times and have a series completely wrapped up before it's put out is is it, is it actually going to put the 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 broadcasters at more of a disadvantage than the streamers who've got massive VOD libraries to kind of see them through the strike as it were yeah it's a, it's a really interesting point and i think that it's probably uh, some truth in what you say and i think for the it's kind of it's also kind of more noticeable in a linear schedule uh, when a show is not there that you might otherwise have expected. You know, a new a new drama is not there than it is in an on demand environment. Um, so I think that's a fair point that there will be a, possibly a more noticeable impact on network TV schedules uh, than there, there is on on streaming. Um, But the other factor is that because we've just come out of a content boom, um, there is supposedly a lot of work in the can, as they say, i.e. finished and ready to go. Um, So there's a kind of pantry full of content that can continue to get released, at least for the near term, um, to make up for some of that loss. So again, it's another of these factors that is not related to the strike. You know, we were in a content boom because of what was happening in the market with the streamers and the competition, and that has led to a bit of a uh, a buildup of content that's ready to ready to release. So again, of course, you never know what's a, a negotiating position and brinkmanship and what is actual truth. But you know, the likes of Disney and others have said we've actually got quite a bit of content ready to go. Um, And so we can weather the storm at least for a little while. Mm. But again, again, I suspect the broadcasters are slightly more hand to mouth in their cycles than, as you say, the streamers who have, you know, will have more stuff. Yes. And you you could argue that they're less, which is the other factor that they are less, global in their source of content so the the u.s networks obviously you tend to show u.s created drama whereas the streamers now 
a, a, a very um, reliant on on non-US drama, um, which is not so affected, or indeed in many cases not affected at all uh, by the strikes. Yeah, it, it is an in, it's still an interesting phenomenon with US network television that the you just don't show overseas content in prime time like you, you remake it so that one of the biggest comedy hits in the us at the moment is ghosts which is a remake of the uk one that the thought that they would just show the uk one probably never crossed their minds because you don't do that on us network television so i wonder whether they might break that rule if this extends and, and go out and buy some you know show some you you know uk shows in prime time as a result who knows but potentially yes potentially we'll see how long the strike goes on for i was going to mention the international dimension because obviously we are a an in, a podcast serving an international community and that they'll be interested in this but the main i suspect thought in many of our listeners it is well how will it affect the international situation so Firstly, just in terms of the logistics of it, this is is this US actors and writers only in inverted commas. What what how did what would the situation be with them working outside of the US on writing for non-US companies or US actors working for the BBC, for example? Yeah, so it's it's not entirely clear, and certainly during the press. Well, firstly, what is clear is yes, it is the US. Uh, trade unions who are on strike. So equity in the UK, for example, is not on strike. Um, and equity members are perfectly free to work as are members of other uh, countries, uh, unions and trade unions. So that's clear. Um, what's not 100% clear is exactly what US actors can and can't work on. So during the press conference by SAG-AFTRA, when they uh, announced the strike action, um, they they did talk about independent movies still being able to get made, um, which means basically it means not the major studios and not the major streamers. So anything associated with the majors and the streamers, either that has been made in the past or is being made or is new, cannot be worked on. And work includes promotional activity. But what they did say was that certain independent productions that are not associated with the major studios could continue to get made. And, and, and they made the point that if anyone is unclear, any union member is unclear, uh, get in touch with the union and they will clarify the position f- for them. So it, it does sound like certain things can get made. Um, and that may include uh, stuff being made by the likes of the BBC because they are not represented by the AMPTP, who represents the major studios uh, and the streamers in the USA. Mm, Clearly, if if the um, show does not involve any US talent, then it's perfectly clear uh, that it can continue to get made. It'd be interesting to try and work out how that would affect co-productions as well, because... I mean, if you take a couple of recent uh, shows on streaming, like the the Diplomat on Netflix and the Peripheral on Amazon Prime, they clearly were, were you know a mix of UK and US actors 
um, in case of the peripheral, half of it shot in America, half of it shot in in the UK, almost with different casts for different bits. So it, it could get a bit a bit confusing over time if it does if it does persist. Yeah, certainly the US um, actors would not be able to work on that if it was being made by one of the majors. Um, but I guess there's also, I mean, if it does extend, there's also, and something is in that stage of production, I guess there's also the opportunity to rewrite um, and change the, the need for uh, US actors. I mean, I've just been watching on Apple Drops of God, which is the wine the wine industry drama which is Japanese, French and English um, clearly uh, you know you could rewrite shows like that to cut out the the US or English element if if, if push tank came to shove and this extends for for ages and ages but um, I, I mean my personal view is we'll probably see now that the actors are on strike and they've been on strike less than a week. Uh, the writers have been on strike more than two months. If I had to make a call, I'd say that this will be over within six to eight weeks. Oh, interesting. I mean, that will still have a, still have an impact, but it would be um, good if it were. Well, I say it would be good if, if it resolved, and it would be good if it was resolved in a way that is fair to the, the actors and the writers rather than being and being forced back to negotiation. That, 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 there's no direct parallel, but in, you mentioned the 1960 strike, which, if I recall correctly, the head of the Actors' Union was Ronald Reagan <laughs> um, back then. How long did that last? Uh, the last writer's strike was 100 days, and I think we're, at, if my calculations are correct, we're at day 75 or 6 with the writer's. Um, and day three for the, I mean, I'm talking working days, so not counting the weekends, so day three with the with the actors. So, um, you know, if, if it lasts a bit longer than the last writer's strike, then we're in for another month. Yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling, you know, obviously with the actors now on strike, there's even more pressure to come to resolution. So one could say okay it might be less than a month but i honestly think it will be six to eight weeks at least simply because the issues that are at stake that we talked about at the beginning of this they really are fundamental changes i mean who would have imagined even three years ago what ai could potentially do um, in terms of both acting and writing so we are really at a crunch yeah. in terms of the well, issues at stake. Well, having been uh, uh, twice to the uh, ABBA, ABBA um, uh, virtual concert, um, it's quite stunning what they were able to do, obviously with their own consent, because that was a slightly different situation, but you, you're starting to see how, how virtual um, content could, uh, could really have an impact. Well, the, the latest uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark had a had a, a, a young, a recreated youthful Harrison Ford in it as well, also with consent, of course, but mm. it's already in use. Well, AI is a topic we um, are trying to work out how best to encompass in our 
our conference in November uh, in Nice. But hopefully by then, um, based on your projections, the strike will be history and we won't be talking about it. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for giving us an update, a really fascinating insight into what is a, a really complex situation that's got implications way beyond just um, you know, the current uh, situation, but uh, quite, as you say, an existential moment for the TV industry, certainly in the US. So thanks, Guy, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you.